to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Commissioners for HMRC and Parry. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 35. And this case that we're looking at this week is all about inheritance tax, and in particular when it is due to be paid to HMRC. At the heart of these proceedings is Mrs Staveley, who has now sadly passed away. During her lifetime, she had been married and set up a company with her husband. She did have a pension fund with the company, but when the couple got divorced, this fund was transferred to a separate pension scheme. Then, shortly before she died, Mrs Staveley again transferred the money from the scheme into a personal pension plan. This was because she was determined for her ex-husband not to benefit from any surplus funds that might return to the company. Mrs Staveley passed away in late 2006, and did not take any pension benefits during her lifetime, and so there was a death benefit to be paid out to her two sons, who had been nominated as beneficiaries. It was at this point that HMRC stepped in, as they argued that inheritance tax was due on the death benefit, because both the transfer from the pension scheme into the personal pension plan, and the omission by Mrs Staveley to draw from the plan before her death, met the definitions of transfers of value, for the purposes of Section 3 of the Inheritance Act 1984. Obviously, the two sons disagreed with that point of view, and so the case began to make its way through the court system. In the first tier tribunal tax chamber, it was held that inheritance tax was due on Staveley's omission to draw from the plan in her lifetime, but not the transfer into the personal pension plan. The upper tribunal tax and chancery chamber then held that inheritance tax was not due on either, before the Court of Appeal decided that it was actually due on both. Clearly there was no obvious answer in this case, and so it became up to the Supreme Court to make a final decision, and that is where we pick things up. Our starting point is to get into the law, and there are two sections of the Inheritance Tax Act 1984 that deserve particular attention. Section 3 tells us that inheritance tax will be due on any disposition that represents a transfer of value. Now, normally these transfers will be a deliberate act by an individual, but Section 3.3 tells us that this can also include omissions as well. The second section that we need to examine is Section 10, which gives us an exception to this rule in Section 3. It says that a disposition will not attract inheritance tax when it, quote, was not intended and was not made in a transaction intended to confer any gratuitous benefit on any person, end quote. Furthermore, Section 10.3 informs us that the use of the word transaction here can refer to a series of transactions and associated operations. Applying this to the case at hand, there are three things that the justices had to think about. The tax liability for the original transfer into the personal pension plan, the tax liability for the omission by Mrs Staveley to draw from the pension fund during her lifetime, and whether those two things together represent an associated operation under Section 10.3. On the question of the transfer, Section 10 talks about the intention behind the disposition, and so the justices had to inquire into the motive of Mrs Staveley to see whether she was trying to confer a gratuitous benefit. They found the answer to be no, because you may remember at the start of this episode we talked about how the transfer came about because Staveley was keen to ensure that her husband would not pick up any of the excess money from the pension fund by way of the company. 
Thus her motivation was not to confer a gratuitous benefit. On the other hand, the omission to not draw from the pension fund in her lifetime presents a different question in the context of inheritance tax. By not drawing from the fund, the intention was clearly to have more money go to her sons when she died, and thus there was a gratuitous benefit that does attract inheritance tax. An interesting argument that was made under this head was that the pension scheme administrator did have some discretion in terms of how the funds should be applied, and so it could be argued that Mrs Staveley was not directly providing a benefit to her sons. However, for the Supreme Court this was not a sufficiently significant break in the chain of causation to warrant not having to pay inheritance tax. Finally, the Supreme Court looked at the transfer and omission together to work out whether they could be considered associated operations. So far, we know the omission was a gratuitous benefit, and the transfer wasn't, so the question becomes whether the intention in relation to the omission taints the transfer and tars it with the same motivation. Previous case law in the form of Inland Revenue Commissioners and Macpherson from 1989 tells us that operations can be linked when they are bound together by a common intention. According to the majority, the current proceedings can be distinguished from this because the benefit conferred by the omission could have been achieved even without the transfer, and so there is no link or common scheme between the two operations. Interestingly, Lord Hodge and Lord Sales disagreed on this point, and did view the transfer as part of the wider plan by Mrs Staveley to benefit her sons. After all, this was always the motivation, and the transfer was just the first step in this process. For our own analysis, I think this dissent is an interesting place to start. How should we think of the transfer and then the omission? Are they separate, or part of one overall scheme by Mrs Staveley? It is easy to understand the argument of the majority as there are clearly two distinct motivations at play here. She doesn't want her husband to get the money, and wants as much of the fund as possible to go to her sons instead. However, I'm not sure these are as distinguishable as the Supreme Court would like us to believe. It seems unlikely that the transfer happened and Staveley only later decided to benefit her sons. Surely this ultimate goal was always in her mind. Earlier on in the episode, we asked whether the motive to provide a benefit tainted the transfer, and I think the fact that the sons were nominated in the personal pension plan is enough to answer that question in the affirmative. In general though, this debate will have only a very minimal impact on the law, as omissions relating to pension rights after the 6th of April 2011 are not treated as transfers of value, in light of the changes made by the Finance Act 2011. Nevertheless, I think this is still of interest to us because it tells us a lot about how the Supreme Court will approach these types of questions in the future. HMRC will have to be on their guard as a more liberal approach is taken to the actions and motivations of taxpayers. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the UK Law Weekly Podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Special thanks this week go out to Rachel Brogan, who kindly left a five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. Thank you very much to you. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!